Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 61 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command Date, Standardized Human Time, October 20th, 2136 Bombs continued to crater the industrial city. As we wandered through the back alleys, I tried to place myself in the human's mindset. It was brave, remarkable, so, to wander this Harkon colony, sporting a predatory appearance. Any fazzled prey soldiers would be happy to take a pot shot at an invading flesh-eater, not differentiating the primates from the Arxor. The truth was, I knew so little about Samantha and Carlos as a people. What compelled them to land amidst an orbital bombardment on a world that bore nothing but hostile intent, whether they assumed I was a fugitive or not? The Terran guards had no idea what awaited them here. They had no backup and were outnumbered. The Harkin government thinks their humans are a blight to be mucked up. If extermination officers here got their toes on them, well, it might make my treatment of Marcel look like a summer camp. Footsteps scurried ahead of us, with no way of telling the source was Oxor or Harkin. Yet the primate showed no signs of distress, plodding along their intended path in silence. I was stunned that Samantha hadn't berated the journalists for their species' actions. She had been all too quick to lose her temper with me. Don't do anything to draw attention to yourselves, Carlos wiggled ahead on his stomach, the stealthy movement of a hunter inching up on prey. A Harkin patrol of seven also with, uh, flamethrowers? In metallic suits? Crap. Looks like they have thermal cameras. My eyes narrowed. Extermination officers. Great, and they're going to see us as soon as they look this way. The male guard huffed. The Harkin journalist's expression seemed torn between excitement and trepidation. No doubt they were second-guessing the decision to escape with the humans. They just figured it was their only chance. I don't think they shed any tears over seeing my guards burn to a crisp, even if the predators saved their lives. What's with the flamethrowers? Samantha growled. I chewed my claws. You don't want to know. The humans signaled a course to flank the exterminators with their hands and crept ahead. We peeked out behind a wall just in time to see an Oxal death squad charging the Harkon. The prey reptiles crept back from the rabid beasts and lured them forward. Gasoline spurted from the lampposts at their queue and built-in predator deterrent from our settlements. The oncoming Oxal would doused head to toe and pulsed with alarm. The Harkon exterminators flung a match in the gas spared from the effect of flame-proof garments. The screams were on another level. Happiness flattered in my heart, finally seeing the greys taste a bit of suffering. That was the agonized death these cattle collectors deserved. That was what I wished I could dole out to them for years. Carlos and Samantha looked horrified, however, watching the burning oxal flail about. I guess I couldn't blame them, since that was what the officers would do to their kind, too. The Harkon exterminators chased the greys with flamethrowers and steered them away from any sources of water. My heart twisted as I thought about them putting the humans down like normal predators. Well, uh, now I see what the flamethrowers are for, the female guard sighed. Must you burn predators at the stake? It's the worst way to die. I tossed my head in a non-committal gesture. It cleanses the affected area. Not just of any offspring or other dens, but also any traces of their filth. I don't want to step in fecal matter that used to be an animal. No offense. 
Selene nodded in agreement. But if your traces and fluids get into the water supply, half-eaten carcasses you leave behind attract more predators. Gross. You, as in humans, Samantha hissed, God forbid you might inhale some predator molecules on the wind. Carlos and I should be put down at once. The male human pursed his lips, leaning back against the wall. Sadness glowed in his eyes as he listened to the conversation, and I don't think that he had the words to express it. For the first time in my life, I thought about whether animals deserved agonizing deaths. Why couldn't we put a bullet in the ones we saw and then watch them? Terran presence was a contaminating factor, but technicality. I could only imagine the reactions of Venlil extermination officers. Nothing ill-fated had come from me breathing the same air as predators, nor eating plants grown in infested earth soil. Our species had survived in eras where hunters left their excretions in the landscape, inhabiting every corner of our planets. The humans have shown us a different side of nature, even if some of it is disgusting, suffering what they were born as was wrong. I'm sorry, Carlos. Your life has no value to them, and they'll have no qualms about killing you, I said. That said, I didn't mean that you were full. I mean, you need a shower, but... He snorted. You're an arsehole. And you're a sweaty, bloody mess of a predator. If they could burn off just the grimy pelts, then that or outer skin pot, that might be okay. The human flashed his teeth, and I hoped that that was a friendly version of their snarl. Perhaps this wasn't the safest choice for cheering him up, but from what I'd seen... Teasing was good for their mental state. If I'd misread those cues, the guard might be socking me in the jaw in a second. My spines bristled with unleads. Terran behavior sure was elusive concept to gauge. Selani gaped in alarm at the sight of a predator's fangs on display. She seemed concerned for my safety, especially after I riled up the primate. The Harkon shriveled away in disgust. As he wiped the sweat of his neck with a towel, the male human wrapped the grimy rag around my neck, chuckling at my mortified expression. He looked pleased with himself. Sometimes, I almost like you, Sovlin, Carlos growled. Okay, we have to get across to the square. Let's take these feckers out and don't walk under any street lamps. My reporter friend shared a glance with her colleagues. You're killing them? I'm sorry. Are we supposed to let them fry us alive? Move out and keep to cover. The human soldiers lined up their rifles and marched out as a pair. The Harkon exterminators hadn't heard our chatter over the Arxall screams. They were leaving no chances of a grey living to fight another day. One officer was waddling towards us, pursuing a blackened cattle soldier that had collapsed on the street. Her head snapped up as she spotted our heat signatures, and she pointed at us. More predators, humans with hostages, she spat. Light them up. Carlos cleared his throat. Crap, there's no cover. Ugh. Maybe we can just use you all as bargaining chips. Just pretend, of course. They won't shoot us with you leading, surely. Oh, they'll nail us too if they can't free us. Better dead than to be your cattle, I sighed. Though I imagine our deaths will be quicker. Samantha rolled her eyes. Yes, real sapiens don't deserve to burn alive. But predators don't feel anything right. We were destined to be firewood. It's just pathetic. Well, I for one like you guys not exterminated. So hurry up and find a hiding spot. Try the buildings. Carlos attempted to kick down an apartment door, but couldn't get the metal base to budge. He took a running start at the frame and fell back with frustration. Samantha fired several bursts at the Harkon exterminators, covering for a partner. The enemy responded with their sidearms, 
while lighting up the street ablaze in all directions. The Terran male glanced for another entry before gesturing to retreat to the alleyway. The two humans stuck back into cover, their heavy breathing unpleasant to hear. The Harkon journalists ran away from the confrontation. I chased after them with frustration. Thinking quickly, I wrestled the gun out of a burnt oxal's paws. Get the feck back here! I fired several shots at the balcony, just above their heads, and watched as those four dropped to the floor in unison. We need to get off this world before the cattle squads finish up shop, or we're all fecking dead. Solani raised her limbs. Exactly, Sovlin. That area is on fire, and the predators are shooting the guns at Harkon. I was trying to trust you, because you've never steered me wrong before, but we need a new plan. There is no other plan. Yes, there is. The humans are distracted by the exterminators. Let's go take their ship. We know it's close by, and that's not much time. We're not leaving them. Those two you see back there saved hundreds of gojid lives from the Arxel, and now they're trying to save you. I care about them. Don't you get it? The female journalist's skin morphed into a bright orange, mirroring the tone of the flames. Her pupils surveyed mine for several moments, and I realized my eyes were watery at the thought of my guards on fire. Slumping her shoulders and feet, she scampered back towards the hiding humans. Her colleagues followed her lead. It was clear the close-knit team didn't want to separate. Seven exterminators charged through the alleyway, buffeting flames at the dumpster the humans crouched behind. Samantha unloaded a clip as suppressive fire, but she was cornered. Carlos cursed as his lower pelt sparked and orange light danced across his kneecap. On instinct, he leapt up and shook his leg. An exterminator lined up their sidearm, ignoring the human's pleading shout of, Wait! I needed to get a few paces closer to make the shot. There was no time. Fear glistened in Carlos's eyes as he tripped onto the street in a sprawled-out position. The fire had spread to his boots and was making quick work of his pelt. I didn't want to see the predator die. But how? Solani emitted a high-pitched scream and distracted the exterminators for a split second. I sprinted with the last of my energy, pulling the trigger at the gun wielder. My first shot nailed the Harkon in the shoulder. The second one was perfect rocket to the brain. Two officers whirled around, spewing fire at me. I grabbed my reporter friend, and we tumbled back behind the building wall. If we don't all die now, that's the second time I've saved Carlos's life, I muttered. I knew you wouldn't leave them. Solani shook her head. I came back for you, Sovlin, not them. Every second we spend here is time we're still on Oxol's radar. I hope hideous predators with a murderous history are worth that to you. Those hideous predators are people, like us. Just watch them, how they act in the presser. You'll see. Carlos tried to ignore the flames, shooting his sidearm despite the blinding panic. The male human only connected with a single harken, by way of ricochet. Most of the wild rounds ended up in a wall, missing his target by a wide margin. The primal terror of being set ablaze must be overwhelming his brain. That unbearable heat on his lower extremities and watching it spread, I couldn't imagine. Samantha was a one-woman harbinger of death, rolling out from behind the dumpster with fury. Her green eyes glowed with hunger. I could see the predator energy buzzing through her veins. She grabbed the flamethrower from the downed exterminator and decided to give the officer a taste of their own medicine. The Harkon formation wavered. They weren't used to predators wielding their devices. The extermination officers had flameproof gear to avoid this eventuality, but two sported tears in their suits from today's engagements. Samantha switched to her sidearm 
as the panicked professionals bumbled into each other. She dished out two headshots before diving back behind the dumpster. That left three extermination officers on the prowl. While watching the human duo take out the majority of the comrades, they forgot all about the rogue Goji prisoner. I popped back out from behind the wall and sprayed gunfire with my claw locked in the trigger. Two Harkin figures toppled to the ground. Samantha didn't hesitate to terminate the final one. Carlos, you good? I questioned. Several grunts came from the alley. Vec, help me! The human's pant leg had almost completely burned away, little more than tatters. He kicked off his scorched boot and his face contorted into a mask of pain. Those silly artificial pelts saved him from serious nerve damage, in all likelihood, but we needed to put him out quick. I tugged that sweaty towel off my neck and slapped it on his ankle. The flames began to dissipate as I smothered them and the human rolled around to put out the embers. Samantha hustled over with a water bottle, breathing a sigh of relief at the sight of her partner unharmed. He rubbed the reddened skin on his leg and struggled to his feet. His limbs trembled as he tried to stand. The female guard supported him with a gentle touch. Carlos closed his eyes. Thanks, Sovlin and company. Let's get out of here. They've had enough for one day. Samantha studied me in silence, with a little less venom than usual. The glint of surprise hung in her eyes. I figured she had expected me to abandon them when push came to shove. The curt predator didn't resist my aid when I propped myself under Carlos's other arm. She flashed pearly fangs and gave me a small nod. I see what you meant about their behavior. These humans help each other, even when it is weakened, Solani noted. And you don't seem alarmed by their snarls at all. That makes them capable of earning trust, attachment, loyalty. My nostrils flared with indignation. And it makes you wonder why so many species try to kill them without giving them a chance. Assuming that they have malevolent intentions, purely based on looks, is a recipe for disaster, is it not? Before you jump to conclusions, I need a deeper dive into human history than everything the Federation has on pre-space flight predators. I'd like to interview the pale, angry one there. That ape isn't hiding their emotions. They would make a good contrast in Noah's polished speech. The angry human has a name, Samantha said, unless you just want to refer to me as it. Fascinating. Why is this one like this? Carlos limped ahead, clinging to my leg. Sam's family was in Melbourne. Everyone she cares about, her relatives, her husband, presumed dead. No chance to say goodbye. Her home off the map. Write that. Us predators grieve our families too. I suspected the worst case when she visited me in Vendel Prime, exuding hostility. Samantha never shared much about her life, but she had imparted to Talpin that her brother was deaf. Her fondness had been unmistakable. With how thorough her offense was to the suggestion of him being killed, it was the first inkling I ever got to how tight Terran family units were. But the husband Tidbit took me by surprise. Carlos hadn't mentioned any progeny, though perhaps she planned on starting a family future. I had no idea that humans made it for life. I always thought the predators bred for breeding's sake. It sounded like they coupled for purposes beyond producing viable offspring. Of course, humans were capable of love, but their familial obsession always seemed to be the kids. For predators, shouldn't procreation be a competitive selection process driven by impulse, Parenting roles are way out of protecting offspring from rival mates. Or, so I thought. Or Sam. The female human lowered her eyes. That wasn't your fucking place to share, Carlos. 
If you want to smear me for wanting revenge, Harkon, I could care less. Just keep your racist thoughts to yourself. Now listen, if there is something more to your kind, I'm trying to unearth it. But I must start with your problematic arcs or ties, Solani explained. I also wonder how far humans will go after the attack. It's strange that you've freed us, Sam, since it is counterintuitive to your revenge. Revenge isn't about blind genocide. Now how about less chatter and more walking? Our posse trudged across the square, vigilant for other activity. If any of my old crew saw me now with the predator clinging to my body, they would have a conniption. Those arms, built from the digestion of flesh, felt warm and heavy, yet I wasn't disgusted by the touch. The emotional connection we established was hardly different than any other soldiers I'd served with. I wanted the humans to like me, to forgive me. We staggered onto the Terran ship with exhaustion, and the Harkon journalist skittered aboard close behind. Solani was surveying the humans with interest. I could see the makings of a story brewing in her mind. Our little band was going to leave no stone unturned investigating the Federation, with a team of inquisitive individuals at my side. It was time to get the answers the Predators desired. End of chapter. Chapter 62. Memory transcription subject, Governor Tarver of the Venlo Republic. Date, standardized human time, October 22nd, 2136. The fact that the Arxor came to Earth's rescue caused less than an uproar than I expected. It became a fact that was conveniently ignored by my government at large. Instead, we celebrated the brave Vendel who hurled themselves into the Krakotl's path. Many talking heads were happy to sell the narrative that the Greys were taken for fools, assuming the newest predators shared their wickedness. The general public were unaware of the looming deadline to trade for our cattle victims. That ticking hourglass was on my mind as I accompanied Noah to the United Nations in a remembrance speech. The event was open to human refugees. I hoped that I could find the strength to treat the upset primates with kindness. The shock of the heartbreaking images on Earth was beginning to wane, but my soul still ached for our friends. It was terrible to see an innocent species suffering without cause. This has all been so sudden, and I know you've had pushback from your opponents. Have we outstayed our welcome here, Tava? Noah asked. I pressed my cheek against his forearm. Never. There's a few people that want you shipped off our world as soon as possible, but they're a minority. They'll always fight for you. Fight her. All that's left is fighting. My pop used to say space was our ticket to a better future. I'm glad he didn't see me feck it all up. How disappointed he must be. If he's watching from the afterlife. No, sweetheart. I'm sure he'd be proud of you. And the man you are. There was nothing else you could have said to the Federation. What happened to Earth has nothing to do with you or speech. Nothing, you hear me? Now I appreciate you saying that. I do. And if you don't mind me saying so, you look beautiful today. I had no idea how to respond to such a forward remark coming from a human. But it had warmed my heart. The dynamic between Noah, an alien pet, and myself was not something to address at this particular moment. Clearing my throat awkwardly, I tried to track down Elias Mayer, Earth's chief diplomat proceeded with grace in the past, but a nudge towards sensibility might be necessary. It was my hope that he lacked conviction in any violent rhetoric he touted. The last time I saw the Secretary General was when the word of Earth's devastation reached Venerable Prime. The fact that their militaries tallied such a miserable failure 
and left their home at the Oxel's mercy, morphed the dignity into someone else. The distraught mayor had promised to rend every enemy from limb to limb, before rushing off to an audience with the ghastly chief hunter. I hadn't been sure he'd survived an encounter with a predator that openly called me dinner in our brief encounter. But the grey-haired human here now, mingling with alien dignitaries, was the person I knew. Mayer had spent his lifetime building relations with unique cultures. The only aspect he was unaccustomed to was the constant terror play crowd. But he was mindful enough, careful not to show his teeth to non-venal. His hands were kept in his pockets to avoid gesticulating. Glad you asked about the Arksaw, Mayer said to the Cooper. When I spoke to them face to face, their hotel room was pitch black. I couldn't make out much of anything other than the massive shadow looming over me. There's a group of them, lying in wait, sizing me up like a cut of meat. And you still went in? When you wanted to run away? The Mazic president asked. What choice did I have? Our instincts are nothing compared to yours, but I was thoroughly creeped out. I do hope that you can forgive us for accepting their tete-a-tete, with 10,000 warships surrounding Earth. A dialogue felt much more palatable than subjugation. The other Federation representatives were crowding the Secretary General eavesdropping. It was a relief and a bit of a surprise to see him conversing with those who didn't aid her. A smooth tongue dialogue seeking the Mazic's forgiveness, not the other way around, was done. I had expected him to launch into accusations over the indifferences of their allies. The way Maya was acting a week ago, I thought Earth was going to isolate from everyone but us and the Zerulians. I don't know what made him come to his senses, but this is a positive sign. Kupo stepped forward on all fours, shadowing the human leader with his bulky stature. I snorted with amusement as I noticed Elias shuffle back. He tried to play it off as fidgeting, but the predator seemed nervous about the mazic's size. I don't think the sand-colored mammal realized that Terrans were equally intimidated by him. The earth-born diplomats were well aware of the single kick of panic could cause a serious skeletal damage. I appreciate your explanation. But it still leaves me worried that you're turning on us, Cooper said. Mayor, half-pointedly. There's a billion dead humans and nothing will ever be the same again. Humanity stood alone, apart from the kindness of the Venlo and the Zerillians, and yes, the Arxel. Perhaps there would have been other options if we received more help from our neighbors. I have never been dishonest with you. I don't trust you. I think humans should be given a chance because you are our only hope. But placing my people in harm's way for predators, when that friendship is still hypothetical, is unthinkable. Let alone raising arms against known saviors, who share centuries of partnered history with us. The Mazak tensed as he breathed out the last word, expected the predator to fly into a rage. The other alien diplomats listened with interest, perhaps because they held similar reasons. The Secretary General's pupils started around, and his lips curved down with disdain. Was it my imagination? Or did his hair look whiter than the last time I saw him? That's valid. It would have been easy for you to choose them over us when it came down to the wire. I suppose doing nothing is a concession of itself, I growled. Cooper blinked in surprise. What? I expected you to disown us. That's not why I'm here. Humanity under you and leadership will found our own federation. I want as many members in our alliance as possible. I've started a project with promising results to weed out alien fear responses. The Mazics are one of the races I think that have the most potential. 
You could lead this initiative. This would require leaving the current Federation. I would want to retain membership in both, if I'd even rolled in the dirt with you at all. Tosa, the Nevok diplomat, flicked her cream-colored ears. I wouldn't do anything that causes further risk to our trading networks. We can discuss this in a case-by-case -case basis, I said. What I need right now is for each of you to step up and bring the thousands of Gojid refugees we saved to shelters. Their colonies are also without governments and supplies. Who knows how long the Arcs will recognize our claim to them. We no longer have the power to do anything about it. Kupo flapped his big ears. I can handle that, Predator. The Gojids deserve help. Good. Beyond that, we politely request that you send aid ships to Earth. Anything you can spare out of generosity to get us back on our feet. I didn't to beg so plainly, but my cities were turned into irradiated soup. The Secretary General's eyes started over the Sifkid ambassador, who had leapt into a wastebin at the first sight of the humans. Perhaps it was time to confront her with an skittishness, though that would require a more private setting. Molmaya was on the topic of aid shipments. This was the perfect time to slip to his side unnoticed. The Nevok ambassador pounced on Elias's perceived weakness and was rattling off a laundry list of terms. Tosa had attempted to barter for ownership of Luna and the asteroid belt in the wake of the attack. This was an obvious non-starter for the United Nations. This time, she was offering to manufacture ships and airdrop food in exchange for trade exclusivity. That was a true goal, to stop the Fissin Compact from landing advantageous deals. The Fissins often undercut the Nevox prices, and their trade war has spiraled to new heights. The fact that both of them reached out to actual predators solely to screw the other over. Helmina, the Fissin representative, pointed her horn in a threatening manner. I had landed here two days ago after our first representative died, and you're trying to feck me over. Human mayor, I'll give you a month's worth of food shipments free, with no strings attached. Just don't agree to that. Predators, the Fissons will steal anything proprietary right under your noses, Tosa hissed. Do you want the species known for corporate espionage on your turf, accessing military blueprints for the first opportunity? We didn't steal your technology. We built it better and cheap. And you can't accept that. You use your monopoly to rip people off, so you can't stand competition. We turn a profit, which we deserve for our hard work of our brilliant engineers. You upstarts might as well be uplifts. This shoddy shut up, Noah roared. Is now the time for your stupid feuds. What about Earth? If you want shit from humanity down the road, try helping us for the sake of helping us. The tension that fell over the conference wall was so thick that you could cut it with a knife. Civ Kid Ambassador Axley was banging her head against the wastebin, wailing at the predatory outburst. The representatives were lucky the media cameras weren't rolling, and that the human refugee audience hadn't been allowed into the atrium yet. Mayer scratched his head with disgust. Well, I agree with you. A little charity and unity would be nice. I find the behavior of capitalizing on our misfortune rather, shall I say, predatory. The Nevok recoiled in shock, roared by the little flesh-eater directing that insult at her. Almina, at least, had the decency to look shameful, pawing at the mane on her long neck. Something flashed in Noah's eyes as he inspected her silver horn. He muttered something about visions only needing hooves. I was beginning to wonder if my friend was losing it. 
Mayor glanced at his wristband, then gestured for everyone to find the position. He curled his lip at Axelish trash can hideout and pushed the screening grazer into the back room. The auditorium doors were unlocked for public entry, and human spectators shoved their way inside. It blew my mind to see this many predators in one spot, on my own planet. I leaned over to the Secretary General's ear. I want to talk to you, friend. You deserve an overview of how we're treating your refugees. Not right now, Governor, but I have an urgent information on Arxor. You won't believe what Isif actually said, he replied. The grey-haired primate's eyes splitted from this entryway and widened in alarm. I wondered what spooked him about the incoming Terran refugees. There was nothing to make any of these people look more predatory than the other. If someone tried to charge the Secretary General, I'm sure his bodyguards would intercept them. It seemed paranoid to travel with armed soldiers nearby at times, but humans were proof of assessing danger. Tava, where the hell is the event security? Mayor hissed through gritted teeth. There are a lot of important figures in one place, I snorted. You actually think people would march through that door and attack a public gathering? I... Yes, I do, dammit. You told us that this was a secure venue. Get every diplomat to leave, only a few at a time. We don't want an inside panic. You think danger is lurking around every corner? Humans are safe here, Elias. I've guaranteed that nobody would try and exterminate your packs. You must understand, I'm worried for you. Any of us are capable of violence when pushed. You're dealing with humans who have lost everything and are looking for anyone to blame, especially aliens and especially the UN. Understand? My focus turned to the incoming humans. Many were holding printed images of their cities or loved ones, and their predator eyes were stained with tears. Several Terrans were comforting each other with light embraces and hand squeezes. These people looked devastated and heartbroken, Nothing like angry beasts planning to maul the fluffy aliens. Regardless, it wasn't like Vendel to execute the attack. However, the level of jumpiness Mayor was displaying was going to interfere with his speaking ability. If he required muscle to assuage his paranoia, it was better than seeming unstable on a live broadcast. Who would be cruel enough to target an event with such a gut-wrenching focus? I hadn't thought Elias a man of delusions of grandeur but maybe the recent power bestowed to him had gone to his head. The purpose of this was to console the hurting humans and honor Earth's memory. Even I know these predators don't just attack out of hunger. We'll postpone the ceremony if you insist, I whispered, but you can tell the, to our Federation guests. Elias sped off. The human exchange words with the Fissons and Poltons. They were the only two to send a replacement for the deceased ambassadors. Perhaps the Takans, Dossa, and Thafti were weighing their options or they doubted the Predator's message. Regardless, the Secretary General made it a priority to evacuate the newcomers first. I suppose he didn't want to risk them losing another diplomat to a violent end. Whatever Mayer told the duo, it scared them sufficiently. Fearful expressions stretched across the alien faces, and they bolted from the atrium without hesitation. Was that predacious delivery necessary? I glared at the human, willing him to become more tactful. Kupo stomped up to the UN leader, what are you up to? Is there a reason two ambassadors spoke with you and immediately saw themselves out? Keep your voice down, Maya hissed. You damn predators always keep me in the dark. We're in our danger, aren't we? I'm sick of having threats concealed right in front of my trunk. Nervous chatter swelled the primarily human audience as the Mazak president made a scene. The fire alarm was activated by a bystander, 
The visceral screams echoed through the sprinkler-doused room. Several Terrans made a beeline for the exit, pushing and shoving each other to get out. It seemed like the Predators were verging on Stampede, which I didn't know was within their capability. It's back up! That's blinking! The human's thunderous voice permeated the chaos. Run! Ambassador Noah wrapped an arm around my shoulders and hurried me to the emergency exit. I had no idea what had just happened, but it was tugging at my own panicky instincts. Through the chemical fog, I worried that someone was going to get trampled in this madness. Elias was irresponsible. We should have just proceeded with the speech instead of... A deafening blast rocked my eardrums, and the subsequent shockwave sent me and Noah flying. The impact rattled me down to the bone marrow, making every nerve tingle. Vision slipped away, and my adult brain could only register the incessant ringing. Pain fled my tail. Something sharp, like a needle or glass shot, had impaled itself in the bushy appendage. I coughed weakly, trying to move my arm. My pupils flicked out towards the sitting area where the charcoal-colored mist shrouded the vicinity. Humans closest to the blast area were soaked in blood, and some seemed to be missing limbs. Their open mouths suggested that they were screaming for help. I still couldn't hear anything but a high-pitched reverberations. Mayor crawled over, his attire caked in dust. The aged predator was sporting cuts across his wrinkled forehead, but his eyes were something alien. I'd never seen a human in combat mode in person. That dilated stare jolted some life into my veins. My brain recognized him as an animal, with the erratic eye movement with strained breathing. The Secretary General stopped adjacent to me and jostled the shoulder of a face-down human. Horror flooded my chest as I realized there was Noah beside me. Elias punched the ambassador's chest several times until glossy brown eyes blinked open. The elder Terran slapped the astronaut across the cheek, trying to step awake. Mayer's gaze searched for the other survivors before resting on me. His lips moved, but I could only make out hints of the sound. I think he was telling me to run away. The only reason I suppressed my fear of the adrenaline-fueled predator was concern for Noah. That worry was a sickening knot in my stomach. I needed to see him stand up. Tava! The human capacitor broke. Get here! I had no idea if he was saying to get out of here or to get over here, but I took it as the latter. My paws rushed over to his side and he glazed eyes drifted to my tail. Horror flashed in his pupils. Concern crossed Mayer's taut grimace as well. The injury must be worse than I thought, but I decided not to look. I didn't want to pass out now. Noah struggled upright, fueled by worry for me. His hand steered me onward, and his wobbly steps became more certain. My mind hadn't yet processed that humans had attacked their own remembrance ceremony. Right now, I prayed that there wouldn't be a follow-up strike for whatever deranged predator plotted this. End of chapter. Chapter 63. Memory Transcription Subject Governor Tava of the Venlo Republic. Many humans began their cultural exchange. They shared the blemishes of their history. The satellite walls almost sent the most powerful nations back to the stone age. By their own words, Federation researchers also documented the senseless atrocities of prior era and noted the uncanny resemblance to Arxal brutality. It had been difficult for me to picture the Earthlings acting so violent towards each other. Those moral people killing millions of their race was unimaginable. The scale of bloodshed today forced me to reckon with that. I knew in my heart what the predators were capable of, but I hadn't wanted to accept it. 
sweeping their history under the rug in favor of the empathy tests and the charitable acts towards us was easier. Talking with Noah and Maya made me want to believe that they'd changed as a species. Maybe even your human friends could act out of aggression. You've seen outbursts from both. They restrain it because they learned morality, empathy. But does Noah ever fantasize about killing people? Just a tiny bit. Keep walking, Tava. The Terran ambassador placed a trembling hand on my shoulder and made me jump. You can't go into shock. We need you get you to a hospital. Please, please stay with me. Tears soaked my cheek for... Where are the other alien diplomats? I'll look for them, but Tava needs a tourniquet, Williams. Mayor growled. Yeah, I agree. Listen, Tom, if anything happens, I want you to know that I love you. Noah whispered. You don't have to say it or feel it back, but I'm going to protect you. The chocolate-skinned predator scooped me up into his arms, passion alight in his binocular eyes. His visage became fuzzy. I felt cold, despite the warmth of his body. Saline swelled in my eyes as he ripped the shirt sleeve off with his bare fingers. His nails had turned grey from the grime and soot, and orange blood was smeared across his chest. There was no lot of it, sourced from my tail. Knowing the aggression hardwired into his genome should have struck sense into me. Humans were coded to be destructive and violent. Still, the fondness in my heart crowded out louder than ever. My Noah was little hot out of the collar, but only when faced with injustice. I trusted him, my life. I couldn't make myself regret befriending the Terrans. I love you too, I croaked. The human's lips quivered, torn between a smile and sorrow. He wrapped the cloth around my tail tightly, and blinding pain rocketed up my spine. It felt like he was amputating the limb, wrenching it from my body with an iron fist. I yelled in agony, burying my face into his chest. His brow furrowed as he finished tying the knot. The astronaut patted my head. It's done now. I'm sorry. I had to stop the bleeding. You're going to be fine. I don't know if I am. This was uh, an isolated incident. Right? I whimpered. Honestly, we've had tragedies like this happen on Earth before, though it's rare. All I can ask is that you don't judge us by our worst individuals. This is why the Federation wants us all dead. Most humans would never do something like this. You know that, but what kind of monster would? I don't know who did this or their motives. They're sick with grief or some disorder. Anything I say is speculation, but we're going to hunt the bastard down. <laughs> Pardon the word choice. If this was a drastic action born of anger, human emotions needed to be monitored under a microscope. I had tried to normalize the predator's stay and welcome them like any other class of refugees, but if they could be mass carnage any time alone Terran was upset, I didn't know how safe it was to integrate them into our society. What other venues could be targets of senseless violence? How many vendor lives could be lost? My vision began to dim as the fear chemicals lending energy tapered off. Ambassador Noah lunged at me with bare teeth, catching himself a bare shot in my face. He released an incoherent roar in my direction, the feel of the predator's warmth breath on my lips, and the sight of maddened eyes inches from my face sent flight cocktails coursing through my veins. Electricity jerked at my muscle fibers. Instincts propelled me upright and sent me stumbling away blindly. It took me several seconds to realize Noah was intending to startle me awake. 
triggering my flight response had jolted me back into consciousness, though that might not last long. I collided with Mayer, who had his back turned to me. Crap! Watch here, Tava. Noah, you need to get her out of here, the Secretary General spat. The human leader had thrown caution to the woman, pressing his shoulder by a drowned Kupo's side. The massic was bleeding from several places, including a mutilated leg. I appreciated Mayer's efforts, but he was going to be crushed if Cooper fell. The old primate couldn't support a creature several times his weight. Leave him, Elias. You can't carry him. Come with us, I coughed. Cooper flared his trunk. I am conscious, Tarva. I don't want to die. Enough that I'm letting a predator touch me. My skin is crawling. The grey human gritted his teeth. Nobody else is going to die on my watch. We have to help the big guy up. Give him a fighting chance. Ambassador Noah frowned before leading beside Secretary General. The two humans pushed Kupo off his side and hoisted him back onto his round feet. The mazik teetered on his legs for a moment, but the predators strained with the last of their bite. I noticed scarlet fluid drip through Noah's short mane. The sand-colored mammal swayed as he fixed the glare on the human. What the feck happened, Predator? You predicted this, so you clearly know. Oh... Get to the hospital, President Kupo. I'm going to look for Tessa and Axley, Elias growled. Let me help. I can carry them, the Mazic president offered. In your condition. Just go. I'll deal with it. My eyes should work fine. You're not going to cover up these deaths. I won't leave until we find Nevok, at least. Whatever. Look around. Be my guest. Cooper glanced in every direction, before pointing his trunk at an arctic-colored biped on the floor. Elias released an audible gasp and raced to the Nevok's side. His slender fingers crept to the pulse point on the above the Tosa's hoof. His binocular eyes glowed, and he shook his head with a defeated expression. There was nothing but gore among the human spectators, with many primates dead or dying. Most responders were nowhere to be seen. We were alone in this mess. The Mazic president took a final look at the decimated auditory, before trundling over to the nearest exit. I imagine... He would blame Mayer for this catastrophe for a long time. I limped over to the back room where Axley was, ignoring Noah beckoning me to the exit. Ironically, the Sivkit's cowardice in the trash can left her more sheltered from the blast than anyone. Her fluffy white form was huddled in the receptacle, unconscious. The rise and fall of her chest was visible, so I assumed she passed out from terror. Mayer was right behind and picked the Sivkit diplomat up with haste. That was not going to end well if she woke up carried by a predator. Noah pointed us to the side exit with a scowl on his face, fighting off dizziness. I sandwiched myself between the two humans, all strength dissipated as the duo ushered me through the exterior door. The shivering was unbearable, and my paws were becoming heavy as concrete. I want... I'm uh, ready to sleep. So cold, I gasped at Noah. Please... Don't scare me again. The human grimaced. We're almost there. Just stay awake a little while longer. Okay? The shaken UN bodyguard brought the bright red kit over to Elias, who deferred it to Noah. The secretary general couldn't administer first aid while his hands were full with the sift kit. The astronaut popped open the lid and pried out the fattest syringe that I'd ever seen. Before I could wince at the size of the needle, he jammed it against my neck. An adrenaline surge caused my limbs to convulse and I fell over, gasping. My hearts feel like someone is squeezing it inside my ribcage. Sure hope my atrium doesn't burst.
the hormones did the trick to stabilize my blood pressure, and I tried to get a grip on my surroundings. Rough shouts stemmed from the throng of humans by the main entrance, who were barely kept at bay by armed UN personnel. Those soldiers seemed to have been shipped by the truckload in a hurry. Judging by the signs of vulgar language, the gathered refugees were protesting Elias May's arrival. I heard about this gathering since its organizers didn't apply for the receive legal permit. However, the Terran demonstrators had moved away from the designated area in the wake of the attack. Some were pushing towards the scene of the blast, though I had no idea whether it was to help or finish off the survivors. Others were escalating to violence, charging at the UN officers and throwing objects. What chance would Venlo police have of containing these animals? A few predators were setting fire to glass bottles, then hurling them at the surround. Historic row houses lit up like kindling, once the picturesque shutters were swallowed by flames. Before my eyes, the Terrans climbed up on the hood of the UN vehicle and began swinging a bat at the windshield. Surely, these humans realized that didn't accomplish anything. It was terrifying to see their destruction spiraling out of control. This violence must not be as isolated of an incident as I hoped. I thought you were an intelligent species. What is this? I cried. My shriek grew the attention of the mob who began jeering at my particular. Several lobbed accusations about Earth, and they overran the UN crowd control with renewed focus. Rocks, bricks, and other blunt objects were thrown with intent to injure. Noah herded me off with a rough grip. I hadn't felt as terrified of humans since first contact. I had no idea what motivated these creatures, or if they could even be reasoned with. As much as I loved the first contact team, allowing Terran refugees onto Vendel Prime was a mistake. We were going to have to get the current populace off world if they would still heed our commands at all. I would warn my advisors to implement stringent psych evaluations for any arriving humans. This was wholly unacceptable. These predators were had no care for who they might hurt, and today's death toll had to be in the dozens. I didn't want to judge humanity by their worst individuals. People like Mayer and Noah did not deserve to die for their deranged cohorts. Blanket condemnation was not the answer. But the Venlo Republic just learned the hard way that we needed to be more selective in which predators we dealt with. Mayer's eyes darted around. We're going to restore order and fix this, Tava. I'm sorry. Bad things happen when a lot of angry humans get together. This is the past, love, Noah said. Glass shattered inches from my heels, and my flight instincts bubbled back to the forefront. Coupled with a given adrenaline, I found myself running at full speed. The screeching sound of tires on asphalt met my ears. A black sedan careened down the narrow street with no regard for any protesters in the path. The crowd parted at the last minute, raving and discombobulated. The Secretary General pointed towards the car. Run! Get in! The vehicles had an actual driver, who seemed to be switching between autopilot and manual steering. They popped open the side door, leaving our posse to clear the final few feet. I prayed that we would be able to escape these beasts. This was what it felt like to be hunted by pack predators, and there was no hope of humans tiring from the chase. Noah positioned his body behind me and shielded me from the projectiles sailing at us. A broken bottle nailed Maya in the back of the head, which earned a cheer from the crowd. Another human protester wrested a gun away from a UN peacekeeper, then began firing at the figurehead center of mass, without hesitation. The UN leader clutched at his abdomen and staggered towards the car. He dumped the civ kit over the threshold, somehow maintaining its grip. 
the elder human collapsed in a splayed position, which suggested the concerned severity of his injuries. I prayed to any deity listed that nothing had connected with my astronaut. Noah gave me a forceful push to the shop, sending me tumbling into the back seat. He dove in on top of me and tugged the door shut. The driver floored it away from the mob at max velocity. The Terran ambassador sighed in relief before he turned his eyes to the Secretary General. Multiple bullets had pierced through his stomach, and the leader was gasping like a fish out of water. Blood was oozing onto the floorboard, straining away with a steady flow. I realized with dismay that Mayer might need hospital care more urgently than me. It took a second to roll him over, so that I could stare into his dazed eyes. The human tried to sit up, but fell back down with a weak groan. My paw raced beneath his neck and propped up his skull. Elias's eyelids fluttered. Tava! Chief Hunter Isif wants to help us. Stop talking. That's not important right now, I said. It is. I want you to make peace with the Oxor. Please, let that be my legacy. The primate drew a shaky breath and cued on his hesitancy in my eyes. I didn't want to argue with a man who was fading in my arms. It was obvious that he wanted those negotiations to work at any cost. Perhaps it was true that Isif aimed to help humanity, the only other predators in the galaxy. But that Grey had outright stated that Vindal were lesser animals, a delicacy that he felt entitled to. That wasn't an open invitation for civil relations. What Isif said to you was theatrics, so he wouldn't be executed, Mayakov. He wants... <coughs> he wants to, to end the sapient farming... And the war. <clears throat> He'd a better future. Likes your spirit. Told me so. I blinked several times. And you trust him? I mean him. I would lie at his mercy. Mayor's eyelids sealed shut. Then his irises rolled back into his head. Noah pried a packet of human blood from a glove box and began feeding it into the Secretary General's veins. The vehicle was less than a minute from the hospital, but every millisecond seemed to be an eternity. My own weakness was creeping back in, while the UN leader's breathing grew more faint. I didn't know if I could honor that request, despite Elias framing it as a last wish. As much as I respected his discernment, the likeliest answer was that the Arxor Hunter was manipulating human empathy. Isim knew the Venlo Republic wanted nothing to do with him. His species had enjoyed every second of the war. Even if the Federation had starved the Greys, they used that as a free pass to slaughter everyone without exception. The tires squealed, and we veered into the hospital's entrance. Squeaky voices alerted the other staff, and the injured predator was on sight, followed by recognition of this particular human. My mind was far away when Noah placed me onto a stretcher. Unconsciousness took a hold and Venlil paramedics rushed two planetary leaders to critical care. End of chapter. Chapter 64 Memory Transcription, Captain Calsum, Craig Cottle, Alliance Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 22, 2136. The line between dream and consciousness grew blurry. I slipped between waking moments in delirium. Whatever drugs I was given seemed designed to keep me out of it, but there were brief flashes of humans putting my wings back into place. Rumbling voices cascaded around me. 
and filled me with the urge to claw my way to the surface. The vivid dreams of my brain in anguish, my near-death experience had turned decades of rotten memories into a jumbled casserole. There had been one nightmarish case where we found an elderly crocodile ripped apart in her backyard. With a cruel sense of humor, my dream state decided to reenact the scene. Standing over the rotting corpse and seeing the innards tugged at her stomach was the abyssal image of evil. Extermination officers were supposed to act in time to prevent these occurrences. I could feel a sour swell in my beak. It was followed by a scorching sensation as I regurgitated my meager lunch. My partners insisted on immediately torching the area. This body was beyond burial salvaging. The victim's family would understand. Some faint remembrance told me that this was the case that made me transfer to the military. We never found the predator. I looked, obsessed, ran down every lead. Over here, a voice hissed on the wind. My wings flapped in urgency as I sailed off in the direction of the call. All I wanted was to fry the animal that would commit such a heinous deed. This had been the only predator I ever hated. My standard practice was to refrain from emotional judgments. It wasn't a hunter's fault for being born, but its existence of whatever did this was offensive to me as the oxor. The scenery blended together with that dreamlike passage of time. The abrupt change wasn't jarring in the moment. Without warning, I was buffeted down by a brutal gust of wind. The forest clearing around me looked quite familiar, and my instinct screamed that something wasn't right. There was a neon fabric dome, a sapient-built structure, which tickled something in my mind. Invisible forces tugged the entrance flap open, as though inviting me in. I inched closer, despite wanting to back away, on legs that felt like concrete pylons. Violet crocodile blood formed a thin trail across the grass, which returned a sliver of my resolve. A predator like this could not be allowed to reproduce under any circumstances. The bravado it had to waltz into our settlements meant that it was a true abomination. My eyes were not prepared for the sight that awaited. Inside, there was a crouched and lanky brown-skinned creature, which I recognized as an adult human. The predator was chowing down on a crocodile scarlet, and blood was smeared on its chin. How had an alien sapien gotten out there? It looked up as I entered, with feathers jammed between bloodied canines, those brown eyes, with that awful pleading quality still present, it belonged to Arjun. This must be that kid, all grown up, and now as ugly as the rest of his freakish race. Humans are not vicious, Argent whined, in the childish register that didn't match its development. You're brainwashed, Calcum. I tried to raise my flamethrower, but my wings wouldn't move. The predator bared its teeth, inching closer. I should have killed the conniving demon while I had a chance. It didn't matter that humans were capable of empathy, when it was a selective concept that could be turned off like a light switch. What a curse, to be given a gift of sapiens, yet to have such an atrocious form. The hideous monster sprang forward. Its unrivaled endurance meant that its bloodlust would never be sated. Any compassion was overridden by the instinct much stronger. That's what their history told us would happen all along. The Federation needed to kill as many humans as possible. But I had forgotten that. Its clawless fingers pressed into my throat, and all I could hear was the pounding of my heart. I'm gonna kill you, I shrieked, snapping upright. Savages! 
My head spun, and I realized I was in a ventilated building. The cool metal beneath my spine suggested that I was on some sort of operating table. At least, I hoped that was what the tiny knives were for. My wing was bound in some sort of plaster, and gauze was wrapped around my achy neck. This must be somewhere amidst the predator-infested lands of Earth. The realization that it was a dream provided immeasurable relief. Thinking about the details, it was a senseless nightmare. Social hunters wouldn't wander and pick us off alone. Still, I couldn't help feeling uneasy at the peak of the future. It was tough to picture the human kid developing and encroaching on the Federation worlds with his brethren. I slid my talons off the table, clicking around on wobbly feet. Why had Arjun's father listened to its son's plea to spare me? Weren't the primates furious about the cities we destroyed? Arjun didn't deserve to suffer, but maybe I should have put him down. If I knew humans were such brutal hunters, their compassion wouldn't have swayed me. Those drawn-out methods are far worse than the Arxals. With a bit of hesitancy, I tested a door handle. It was unlocked. The humans kept their structures more sanitary than I expected. From creatures accustomed to constant blood and death, there wasn't any reek of predation, or biological markers left to intimidate me. Perhaps the Terrans realized I showed mercy to their kid and stayed their hand. They were a cogent species, not the non-sapient terror I saw in my nightmare. Still, I felt like I should be bound or caged. Maybe the primates were testing whether I could be enslaved. That was the only reason I could fathom why they'd patched me up. Thoughts of Thion and the only surviving member of my party raced through my mind. It begged the question of how long I'd been out and whether that Marcos faction had sniped him. As I turned into the wider area, a gun was jabbed inches from my face. An adult human watched with a neutral expression, but I could see the hunger that lurked in those pupils. The alien predator looked like the result of a disastrous lab experiment, with his exposed face and glistening skin. I felt sorry for the prey racers like the snake that had to deal with these things marching around. What was that noise? You're going to kill me? Its eyes glowed in the middling light, and its dry lips tensed. That must be the cue that it wanted blood to wet them. I encourage you to try, bird. I squeezed my eyes shut. Was nightmare. There's no point in killing you now. We failed. Kelsum thinks we're going to conquer them, Dad. Arjun offered from atop a footstool. Well, I don't think we'll have that chance, kiddo. The greys beat us to the punch, or so I hear. Solemnness clasped my heart as I thought of the undefended Nishtal. The Arxel wouldn't pass up a golden opportunity if it was brought to their attention. There hadn't been time to dwell on the reptile's arrival at Earth, but it told us a lot about the humans. The fact that the Terrans were a feeding people who cared for each other hadn't stopped them from jumping in bed with the antithesis. You are dangerous, and still I have shown you mercy time and again. My home is gone. Do what you think you must, human, I grumbled. The father peeled back as plump lip. The name's Minaj. You have a sick idea of mercy, but my son is alive because of you. That's the only reason I'm not ending you myself. Got it? I see. It is difficult to look at a sapient in the eye and kill it, my dodge. Even for one of your spawn, what happens to me doesn't matter. I won't resist the execution squad. Come on, resist a little. I got wildlife doctors to treat you and your pearl with some reluctance. They gave in eventually. On the condition that I turn you over to the UN forces once you are stable. Wait, my pal? Arjun told me where to find him. Pure genius hiding spot. 
Look under the bedsheet, behind me. The full-grown human was positioned right and obstruct my vision. On closer inspection, the tubes and wires behind the predator were attached to a fossil officer. Horror coursed through my veins. Thion was missing an arm. The jagged edge around his shoulder stump suggested teeth had gnawed them off. Minoj must have gotten too hungry around the injured officer and experienced the lamp in its control. I know it must be tough for a predator to stitch together a wounded prey animal, who was a comma, but my gosh. You ate Thion! I checked both my wings and squawked panic. The human scalpels could have shaved off tiny bits of flesh, in fractions that I couldn't notice. You are just like the Oxal! Marge nodded. Damn, you're a fecking idiot. Human teeth aren't big enough, certainly not to do that so cleanly. That? Yes, you're a predator. Then you fed him to the tigers, I suppose. Actually, it was the leopards that got him. Same family as tigers, but with spots instead of stripes. Would have had nothing left but crumbs, except that I showed up when it was picking at him. Arjun was just upset about it, else I would have just let nature run its course. You're lying. We placed him in a tree. There is no way a land predators could have gotten to him. Monarch pulled up a clip on his holopad with a snarl born of cruel amusement. The human set the device down on the table, and I leaned over it hesitantly. A massive beast with mottled pelt was walking up a vertical trunk, defying gravity with ease. Sinister forepaws hugged the bark circumference, while the hind legs moved like a descending ladder rungs. The predator's speed quickened without warning, and its hind legs pushed off. It leapt onto a branch in an adjacent tree, faster than any landwalker should be able to. I suppose those leopards were more than capable of scaling greenery in a blink. The only reason I could conjure why the Terrans kept such a beast alive was their arboreal roots. The aerial terrorization might be relatable to them. Minaj had shown me that they were quite willing to scale forest trunks themselves. The Tiger Reserve makes sense now. The humans respect this family of animals because they recognize the bestial common ground. The adult predator leaned back. So we reduced the drugs keeping Thion in a medically induced coma. He's already starting to stir. This should be good. I assume that you would want revenge, Minaj, and I know that it's just how humans are. But please, take it out on me. I gave the orders. I deserve your wrath. All Thion wanted was to stop predators from hitting any more worlds. We couldn't sleep at night, knowing that there was another Arxor out there. We are not the Arxor. Nobody understands that but me. I always saw your redemptive qualities and how unique humans were. I wish that was enough. We both know coexistence wasn't an option. I'm sorry that it had to be like this. Truly. It didn't have to be like this at all. We wanted peace. To fight alongside you, and you committed genocide against us for it. I wonder if there could have been another way. Human conquest is as inevitable as your growth. There is no future generations for any other race, with you alive. The human skull was growing more visceral by the second. I wondered if it was a reconsidering its promise to Argent to spare me. My exterminated training faltered as its narrowed eyes bore into my skull. A fearful squawk bubbled in my throat, but I fought to ground myself. Beneath its anger, pain manifested in its increasingly hostile posture. The skin of its hands went tight around the bone knobs, which suggested waning control. My thoughts wandered to how Harjan had appealed to my morality and claimed Terran religions called for natural compassion. I reminded myself that those emotions were genuine. They didn't just disappear at adulthood. 
This father, monstrous as it was, resisted murderous urges in favor of its bond with its son. Perhaps if I appealed to that side and continued to treat this ghastly beast with dignity, I could save Thion. Extermination officer is a dangerous job, where you're always on call. Not good for settling down, so I never had kids, I stammered. I've killed a lot more living beings than I'd like to recall. But I have to believe that somewhere, for how we slowed Earth's expansion, there is a hatchling who lived to adulthood. A low rumble emanated from a notch. There's millions of children on both worlds who are dead right now because of you tried to kill us. All for our eye placement. Human, your eye placement is a symptom of a bigger problem. Predators do have forward-facing eyes, but it's much deeper than that. That's like saying that a virus is to be eradicated for its spike proteins. Its actions, the infection and spread, are the issue. The adult human adjusted its rectangular object, which appeared to be a video camera. A red light blinked by the lens, and I guessed I was being recorded. That was a sensible action for intelligence purposes. Manoj bared yellow teeth, approaching me with the shuffling steps. It traced an oily finger across my beak with a chuckle, before pointing my nose towards the camera. Say hello to the people of planet Earth, the predator sneered. You're being broadcast to social media right now, wherever the internet still functions. Look, the eventual millions, you'll see this in the eye and repeat your little virus line. I squeezed my eyes shut. You're angry. I don't hate humans for what they are. It wasn't personal. It's just the reality of the situation. It sure felt personal, drumstick. I happen to find footage floating around from the UN raids. A crocodile transmission sent to the downed ship. Those pink markings on this fella's beak look awful similar to yours, don't they? The Terran pulled up another video on his holopad. I recognized my own visage on the feed. An allied ship must have intercepted the hail we sent to the downed human, who had shown us a picture of its family. Pity swelled in my throat as I thought of the offspring in its image. Those three primates had looked younger than Arjun, and now were left without a parent. For I knew they died in the bombing, and the UN pilot had sacrificed itself in vain. Surrender yourself to our custody peacefully, and I'll see that you survive. The cadence of my voice was overlaid by static interference. You can ensure that your culture is remembered. Manoj offered a chilling grin, its alien features giving off a contradicting signals. That's your mercy, Kalsum. The perfect view of the destruction of your planet, your culture, and everyone you cared about. Meanwhile, you're a prisoner among people who want your kind exterminated forever. An exhibit in Twisted Museum. I wanted someone to study your culture. I wanted you to be remembered. Back off! We can execute you, and that decision won't be up to me. But my suggestion, people of Earth, let's give him the same mercy he offered to one of ours. Let him witness the destruction of Nishtal in HD while he keeps him locked up to document crocodile culture. My eyes shifted to the floor. There was never such an undercurrent of cruelty in my offering. I had been trying to minimize their suffering, while Manoj aimed to twist the knife. Crocodile culture was well documented by every Federation race, so it was not in jeopardy of vanishing from the records. There was no point in that existence. The humans viewing this video would have demanded more violent end for me, wouldn't they? A motor revved outside the compound, and predatory shouts rippled through the air. Those must be the UN soldiers picking me up. I shot a final glance at Arjun, who was watching me with interest. The human kid raised a clawless hand as we locked eyes. Perhaps this was some gesture of farewell, like the tail signals of many species. 
The foresight of Arjun as a human adult floated through my mind. I doubted I would ever see him again, but if I did, he would be something unrecognizable. These creatures grew out of the tolerable phase much too quick. Fighting off tears, I lifted my uninjured wing to him. An explosive noise at the door, flying off its hinges, pierced the air. Terence couldn't do anything quietly. Goodbye, little predator, I whispered. Don't go scaring any more snakes. Dark fabric enveloped my head before I knew what was happening. Pure terror coursed through my veins and the sheer number of humans I sensed around me. This was the largest concentration of predators I dealt with in my life. Part of me hoped that they would take me as a meal instead of skewing my mercy into a revenge fantasy. End of chapter. As of this recording, we are caught up with current, but fear not, we will continue this in the future when there are more chapters. There will be a new book on Monday, so let's look forward to that. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 65 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command Date, Standardized Human Time, October 23rd, 2136 By my assessment, the human shuttle was barely FTL worthy. It would be lucky to defeat a solar sail in combat. I was certain that their craft choice was designed to tail me with minimal risk of detection. Now, it wasn't like I was going to forget they were on my tail so I didn't see the point of stealthy monitorization. With Carlos requiring medical oversight, we persuaded the Predators to dock with us. The Terran shuttle squeezed into the escape pod bay, with little room to spare. The Harkon journalists were floored to see the accommodations the Terran had whipped up for the deaf Talpin. I imagine the Federation would be shocked as well. There was a reason the humans chose the Gojids to represent our refugees. That painted a different picture of the Cradle Invasion, apart from the story of the vicious annihilation circling now. Samantha and Carlos were still unwilling to land on Alpha in person. After their ambassador was held hostage for weeks, I'm sure the attempted murder wasn't an enticement either. My guards value staying in one piece. My expectation was that the humans would detach from their shuttle once we got close enough. Their little clunker would either hide out until our hopeful return, or they would find their own way back. My read was that they weren't eager to stay around the Federation hub. I know what I'm going to tell the representatives about the humans, but I don't know how to justify my own actions with Marcel. The low hum of the ship's engines pulsed in my pores as I slunk around the humans' personal effects. Samantha had left an unlocked holopad unattended, and I was gripped by the compulsion to scour their internet. We wouldn't have access to their live networks, hundreds of star systems away from Sol, but there was an archive that what existed before our departure. A guilt drumming away in my skull wondered what the Federation was told about Marcel. I read the words out loud as I typed in the search bar. Marcel, human tortured by Gojid. My heart ceased scrolling through the results that turned up. After everything I had learned about the Terran, it made my sins even more terrible. The thought of that predator could share such similarities with us, and that they could truly be our friends, had been fantastical at the time. Why had I not even considered for a second that the human captive was innocent? I tapped a video result that claimed to have been shown to the Federation. My claws landed themselves in my mouth, as I chewed with more intensity than ever. 
Marcel was feeding a prey animal while a speaker called Noah elaborated on his veterinary aspirations. It was tough to see the life on his hazel irises, the same ones I'd seen pleading with me in agony. How could I ever come to terms with the fact that I tormented a herbivore human who found his joy through saving animals? The images switched to close-up images of Marcel's wounds. It broke my heart to see how famished the human looked and to think about his misery. Tears swelled my eyes, and mucus oozed from my nose. A few choking sobs came out, as the full weight of the self-hatred slammed down on me again. Samantha had been right when she told Carlos I didn't deserve cordiality. A clawless hand swiped the holopad away from me. Dear God, Sovereign, why would you do that to yourself? Sam, that's not the worst thing he could have sought out on the internet. Perhaps we should be happy. Carlos chimed in. I jumped out of the chair, wiping my eyes on the back of my paw. Samantha's auburn hair looked disheveled, and my woefulness transitioned to concern. I hadn't seen the female eat anything, which was compounded by a lack of self-care and sleep. The reason why she was grief-stricken was obvious now. We had to be certain that she wouldn't make any hasty decisions with such a tenuous mental state. What is the worst thing, Carlos? Predation? Xenophobia? I asked. The male guard snorted. No, uh, forget about it. You're going to give the holopad back to Sam and promise never to tinker without things again. Sorry. I needed to remember what I've done. I was starting to feel almost normal with you and the Harkon. It felt like I was in my old crew, but that life is gone. I don't deserve happiness. It's time to move on, Sovlin. Samantha showed a rare hint of sympathy, curling her lips in a way that didn't seem hostile. The female predator looked lethargic and downcast. You can honor Marcel by doing something good when you land an offer today. But I, you fucked up bad. That was then. This is now. I've decided that there's something worthwhile in you, and so has the UN. You have no right to let us down. My paws relinquished my grip on the holopad, and I allowed the alien hunters to steer me out of the common area. Somehow, Samantha's rough words were comforting. She reminded me I had a purpose here far beyond myself. Every living creature on this side of the galaxy, Slanek, Marcel, my guards, the Gojid refugees, were depending on me. The entire Federation would be disbanded and slaughtered if I didn't disprove the Oxal's deceit with conclusive evidence. It would be a travesty for them to flip the script. A masquerade as the original victims in this mess. Whatever my past failings were, penance wasn't as important as stopping the humans from forging this unholy alliance. I need to save the Terrans from the vengeful temptation. The species who liberated a cattle ship and bashed Arxor prisoners over the head is still in there. Finding justice for my first officer's death was an urgent consideration, too. Marcel lost his life, both the human's dossier, after helping Marcel escape my clutches. The Colchian Commonwealth had proved themselves a menace to the Federation, and our forums of diplomacy. Someone needed to put an end to their treachery. Before more innocents turned up dead, this was personal to me now, and I wanted to see the Mastermind's hand. The Harkin journalists were dotted across the common area, with scribbles and notes strewn everywhere. Selani looked concerned as she noticed me sniffling and bleary-eyed. 
I knew the journalists were worried the predators were intimidating me, all throwing their weight around. It was all I could do to delay any interrogations of Samantha with a fragile state. The human needed to talk it over their history soon, unless they wanted it covered in an unfavorable light. Selani, has your team located any pertinent information? I asked. The short reptile drummed her toes on the table. If I give you this rundown, are the predators finally going to answer my questions? Samantha bared her teeth. You're not in any position of power here. This is our mission, and I'm not your lab rat. Your what? The translator mangled that idiom. A rodent in a lab, I repeated. For animal testing, to develop drugs or research behaviors. Every spray sapient in the room gaped at the primate, and even I failed to mask my horror. Humans ran unethical experimentation on captured animals, treating them like expendable objects. That was not an empathic practice. There was no defense for wide-scale cruelty. It was implied that there were no safeguards to mitigate the suffering either. Okay, all of you, quit it with that look. Carlos leapt to Samantha's rescue, rounding on me with a glare. How else do you develop medicines to cure disease and uncover the side effects before giving it to your own people? Cell cultures... Harken tissue samples, micros, dosing, and computer models, murder-free, Solani said. My spines bristle from the predator's anger. Like any civilized culture, we, we don't treat animals as our toys. The female guard bit a lip. Human, no, sapient lives take precedence over everything else. I'd sacrifice a million animals to save one person. Person, I... Uh... As much as I wanted to push back against Samantha's statement... It was a tough to argue with someone who looked so broken. If I believed that it was my only option, there was no sacrifice I wouldn't make to bring back my family. Humans rushing disease cures might have come to the same conclusions. I tucked away my mental note to give the predators some simulations that could put an end to that barbarism. The Hawken reporter blinked in disgust. There are better ways. That's not science. On the plus side... At least the humans do try to heal their people, I told Selani. When I first captured Marcel, I didn't even think they had medicine. He moved away from my sedative needle like he was scared of doctors. Carlos slapped his forehead. Sovlin, maybe we just don't like needles. Between the sight of blood and the pain, it's not a carnival ride. Sorry, we're off to a terrible start. I don't see why their reporters can't get along with you. Work this out for your sake. This is your chance to justify yourselves to the galaxy's humans. We've done nothing to you. Why do we need to justify anything? Samantha spat. I know you don't want to, but it's about time someone listened to your side of the story, don't you think? There's a lot at stake here, especially if more races decide to come after you. The two predators shared a glance as the Harkon scrutinized their mannerisms. They both gave grudging nods and settled down in their seats. I offered a silent prayer that Selene would go gentle on Samantha. If I saw that the human was showing signs of distress or a breakdown, I was going to intervene. Her welfare was more important than any media coverage. You first, Selene, Carlos growled. The Federation dumped a lot of footage from their initial discovery of humanity to undermine Noah's message. The reptile skin camouflaged with blue ship walls as the predators leaned towards her. She was brave to face them so early on. I found a clip from their discussion that unanimous vote to destroy your species almost two centuries ago. Look. 
The male guard knitted his brows in confusion. I could sense him biting back a retort, since that wasn't the information the UN was looking for. Part of him must be curious to observe how humanity had been discussed as heartless monsters. If the Gojids had been sentenced to death before escaping our world, I want to hear those proceedings. The Harkon reporter tossed a video onto the projector, and my own eyes turned to the screen. I'd never seen this footage. Humanity had been little more than a historical footnote, with a few graduates like Zahn diving into the Federation's observations. Why had the vote passed without a single objection? What could be that terrible? A Vendel male spoke at his station. Those monsters are our neighbors. If FTL ever falls into their lap, we'll be the first ones dead. He won't be your species turned to carry him. Hurry up and k k kill them. Governor Melduck is correct. From what we've seen, humans are barely sapient. True sapiens don't develop the weapons they have. Chemicals, disease, bombs, and early satellites, the fossil representative added. Thank you, Ambassador Royan. Can you picture those savage apes making it a day into the Federation? They'd eat us. The first chance they get. I shudder to think of Venlil coming across those... Uh, things. Anger returned to Samantha's face, and her hands curled up into fists. Knowing how close human Venlil relations had become, I could imagine the damage this footage would do. At least, to my knowledge, Governor Tarver had been forthcoming with the United Nations as her species rolled in that era. It wasn't her doing, so the Terrans shouldn't have a gripe with her. The Venlil pushed everyone away to save the Predator scientists. It makes me wonder what that first contact team said, to make Tava walk back her distress signal, to renounce her species' stance. Carlos threw his hands in the air. Even the Vandal spewed that vitriol. Hurry up and kill them all, savage apes, Samantha echoed. Quit pouting and listen, this is the important part, the Harkon reporter hissed. Royan tossed her head on the screen. The humans have a lot in common with the you-know-who. We once believed the Predators uh, can have feelings, but we learned that lesson the hard way. The Oxlaw faked plenty of things, from artistry to passivity. We saw how trying to make them one of us turned out. Solani paused the feed. Did you catch that? The historian species of the Federation claims the Oxlaw faked feelings. Given the context, that implies they showed signs of emotional intelligence before first contact. I mean, the Oxlaw had artwork. The last part caught my attention. I don't like the way they said, make them one of us, Samantha growled. The humans were much too eager to spin everything into evidence for the Arxel's tale. I understood why they resented the Federation, and Carlos put in perspective long ago. That way those ancient leaders spoke about the predators made my skin crawl. I hoped it hadn't been so flagrant when this Noah figure came there. All the same... The Terran guards were reading too much into one sentence from a stressed diplomat. It's referencing the Federation uplift of the Oxor. We tried to welcome them into the galaxy, and that started this mess, I spat. Samantha glared at me. Then why did they say, one of us? That means turning them into prey. I don't have enough evidence to reach a determination, Selani sighed. It is difficult to unearth much footage from the Oxor era. I really don't understand how the records can be lost in the digital age. Someone has something to hide, judging by this dialogue. It's become more and more distorted over the years. 
Carlos, Bob D said. The people who voted to kill us were much more informed about the war's origins. That's useful to know. Good work, Selene. My spines bristled with irritation, as I realized the Harkon reporter wasn't challenging the premise at all. This must be some misguided effort to appeasement. Cheek didn't understand that the Terrans weren't looking for a lackey. This endeavor was too important to insinuate that the Arxa were angelic victims. Creative abilities surprised me, but I was certain what passed for art in their culture were war photos or hunting manuals. They were a sociopathic species to the core, and that was a well-documented fact. We uphold our bargains, Harkin, Samantha offered. To be honest, I'm surprised that you were taking this seriously. I'll let you ask me one thing about humanity, but tone down the racism. The reporter flicked a tongue. I want to know about your species heroes, your collective dreams, your moral code. How did they start, and are they universal? Do humans disagree on ethical issues? Ah, uh, that's not one question. Sorry. Surprise flashed in both of the predators' eyes, and I noticed their postures relax. Carlos studied Selani with a newfound interest, perhaps reassigning her journalist acumen. Her query was a question I was interested in myself. If I read the cues right, Terence possessed an internal conscience and could use it to steer their worst instincts. Samantha leaned back, crossing her legs. I'll answer as much about that subject as you want. Thank you for taking an interest in the real humanity. Tell her about the international laws, I interjected. Humans have codified rights, even for criminals like me. They let a hospital ship pass to save active enemies when I fought them at our border outposts. Carlos bared his teeth. That's not an awful idea for one sovereign. For all the talk about warfare, we've built rules signed by every modern nation to prohibit tax on civilian populations to ensure that combatants receive humane treatment. Rights that the Federation denied us, Samantha noted. You could sum up human morality in one statement. We call it the Golden Rule. Do unto others as you wish to be done unto you. The Harkin reporter palmed her chin in thought. Traces of fear lingered in her gaze, but I could tell that she was listening to their words. That was a lot more than most people would attempt. I'm glad that I was right about giving them an honest shot. Selani squinted at the duo. Does that still apply? To anyone willing to return the courtesy, sure. But humanity isn't itching to be the galaxy's punching bag, Samantha said. The Federation broke the first rule. Sam, if I can call you that, the way we all have talked about you is terrible. The public discourse is hateful, and your personal losses resonate with me. I can't imagine what I'd do in your paws. My species was part of that. The female predator sniffed. There's nothing any of us can do about that now. Let's talk about heroes, shall we? You might be interested in some ancient mythology. How early are modern humans made sense of the world? Delaney hesitantly rose to her feet and dragged her chair alongside the human. I could see the tears swelling in her eyes alongside the acceleration of her breathing. Her slender arms were shaking, but she situated herself by the humans. She reached out with a trembling appendage, offering Samantha a tissue. The UN guard took it deftly and dabbed her eyes. I'd... I'd... I'd like that. Let me tell your stories, the Harkin replied. A glimmer of hope crept into those green eyes, reminding me of the humanity that came to the galaxy with the righteous seal. Those people were still in there, despite the heartache. 
I had to believe it was possible to mend our rifts and to steer them from the path of destruction. Those lost on Earth couldn't be brought back, but my predator friends didn't have to die with them. Samantha wove a yarn of supernatural fantasies, holy scientists and ambitious explorers seeking trade routes. Carlos added his own tales of monster slayers and fictional kings, with their own honor code. Terran legends sounded grandiose and heroic from their lips. They elevated their greatest champions as guardians and pioneers who advanced civilization at personal risk. The contrast with the legacy of conquest and subjugation Zahn put forward was striking. The prey reptile shivered from the prolonged exposure to the humans, absorbing the descriptions of their early history. All it took was active listening to keep the predators talking. I mused to myself that this was how it should have been. This was the peace that should have been reality. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon, WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.